Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Game of Thrones. The Walking Dead. Westworld. No, that's the West Wing. West, Westworld. There we go. There have been many podcasts which seek to analyse the complexities, the depth, the plot lines, the hidden story arcs, the beauty of these productions. Quite simply, the world doesn't need another one, which is why we're applying that level of discussion to the bottom of the televisual barrel and scraping it with a weekly celebration of The One Show. Well, hello, and welcome to The The One Show Show, the pod that casts a beady ear over the televisual potpourri mix that is TV's The One Show, and we analyse it as though it were important, like Breaking Bad or some such. It is potpourri, yes, but some of it smells like the cat has gone under shit in the bowl while you were out. And then we dissect the cat, except it's not a cat. It's The One Show, and this analogy has kind of run out of steam. But the good news is that the The One Show show hasn't, because The One Show is the gift that keeps on giving, but there's nothing you can do to stop it, because you haven't got the receipt. This week, on The One Show, Sir Michael Caine made everyone nervous. Alex Jones began to choke, and a dog smelled a newt. Joining me to make no sense of any of it are adult ladybook co-writer Charlie Brookers Hoare and co-host of the magnificent Rule of Three podcast Joel Morris and TV producer of many, many things, including Banzai, which was uh, one of everyone's favourite things ever. It's man and all-round John Riley, John Riley, and they enter now. One Show style. It's a background applause. Welcome, gentlemen. Uh, it's lovely to have you on the the one show. What a show. sense of anticlimax, isn't it? Though, but yeah. that sort of sums up the entire experience uh, for all of us. Uh, John Riley, we'll start with you, I think, because you work in television, correct? So this kind of horror, having to sit down and watch it from the other side, if you like, how how was the experience? Uh, I haven't seen it for a long time. I mean, since the golden days of Adrian Childs, yeah. who I think you know sorely missed you know he brought a, um, a sort of Danny Baker-esque change to it and it's gone very, much more mainstream than I thought but I did think did you like it before it sold out yeah I the early punk Charles era <laughs> exactly, exactly that <laughs> and um, now with the new front man now, not I, so I, sure. I think it's got a bit smooth I, 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 right. yeah, from a technical point of view yeah. and I, I did you know like I said Tuesday's in terms episode of that's interesting I thought it was a belter technical point of view because yeah. we haven't really talked about the touch on it before but from a producer's angle, then that technical so is that a sort of it's too slick now, it's not as ramshackle as it was, yeah, slightly because I think they, I mean, I always think about the script writing. Sometimes Tuesday's show, they actually did some quite good links in between things. Did I was like surprised, I, I actually quite liked Tuesday's show and yeah. I almost cried. So, what which is exactly, <laughs> I exactly what they're trying to do? I mean, I wouldn't make a habit of it, but so what happened after watching three back to back, it was like, uh, uh, <laughs> like eating far too many cocoa pops. What happened no, on three Tuesday, on John, that, that so, that so, what are these links of which you speak? Well, so, so Michelle Keegan yeah. was on, whose work I was previously unaware of. Yeah. Um, I like, by the way, whenever anyone comes on the one show, 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 show or the actual yeah. one show, and everyone cheers, and outside there's a crowd of people cheering because they're excited that person's on the one show, the first thing I do is go to my phone and look them up. 
Yeah. Because I don't know who anyone is. <laughs> I didn't know who Michelle Keegan in, was in, either, I'll be in honest. In one show land, these people are the Beatles. They're yeah. the most famous people in the world. And I shamefacedly grab my phone while I'm watching <laughs> and just Google, who who is this person? Michelle Keegan. Yeah. The na- is the name familiar? No, you're thinking of Kevin Keegan. Oh, yeah. right. No, no, I didn't know either. But I know now. I love that level of fame. Yeah. That you can, that there can be people hammering at the, at the window like zombies after the apocalypse, <laughs> trying to get to someone I'm not aware of, and I thought I was paying attention. So, Michelle Keegan, then? So, she, uh, well, she's, she's on Coronation Street, and very... Um, well, not anymore. Not anymore. Now it's thing called Our Girl. Yeah. Which looked fantastic. Yeah. And she had one of the best facts I've ever heard of, where they oh, asked her... Good facts. So, you know, this is, this this is, is exactly this is what good. the one things, show should be. Things we learn from the one show. Things we learn from the one show. Educate, entertain, and inform. Well, here, here you go. This will, uh, well, certainly educate because <laughs> it's got one of those read values this is, and values, this is yes, one right. of the you know fantastic links they went they came off the back of a story about a nurse which we can go on to talk about in a bit and they said michelle you're playing a nurse aren't you oh i am actually in our girl yes. this is this is great she had a nice clip of that she's working in nigeria as part of the army um, and off the back of that, they had a little chat about uh, training with soldiers. And uh, Matt got in his uh, little comment about, oh, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of work with soldiers. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've done something. That in, he, he, got yeah. That, he got that in, he got that And we obviously had the whole, the whole army fatigues on, the, the full kit. Yeah. Um, and it was quite unbearable sometimes, yeah. It yeah. gives you so much respect, though, doesn't it, for those people oh, that massive. are serving out there. I mean, I've done a lot with the military, you know, throughout my career. And yeah. you often, you know, when you hear it on the news, yeah. they're always on your mind when you go through that. Always. And, be- and uh, she told a story of that she was in a restaurant and somebody just fell face forward into their Splashed food. into their soup. Yeah. Splashed into their soup. Yeah. Because of the training that she'd had for the show, for Our Girl. Right. She knew what to do. Now, Michelle, you play a medic, don't you, in Our Girl, of course. Um, and recently you ended up having to almost play a bit of the role in real life, did you? Yeah, know? well, everyone always asks that question anytime, obviously, because I'm a medic. Like, mm. is that any, like, coming to your real life? Um, and before I started filming last year, I was at a restaurant and um, we heard, like, a crash. Mm. And behind me was a lady who um, passed out at her table oh. and her face was basically in the middle of a plate. And I don't know why, but I don't know why, but my instincts just kicked in and I ran over and her husband was shouting, he was quite erratic, so I got her head, make sure she didn't swallow a tongue. And as she as I was getting him to talk to her, I was asking for like coke, like a full fat coke. Because mm. I knew she needed sugar. Right. The sugar like her sugar levels were quite low. And um, they came over with a bottle with a straw, which obviously I know is quite dangerous to have a straw because it can get air into you know mm-hmm. into your throat. So I threw that away and then I put it in a, a in a friend's glass and she started sipping it and she came round slowly, yeah. Wow. But honestly, like I always say, it all saving lives. Thanks. She realised that they'd had a sugar drop. She tells a story that people didn't know quite what to do, so the husband didn't know what to do. She got uh, asked for a full fat coke to be brought over because this woman needs sugar. Three hundred and thirty mils of coke, stat, proper <laughs> medically applied coke. But it's, oh god, people love this story. Like where someone plays someone in a thing, and they have somehow picked up the skills of that person. It's like sort of bumping to Peter Capaldi and telling, oh, "I can travel through time now." It's it's just expected of people. I remember one of the things that inspired Kunk in the first one when we, when we thought we'd do fill him in a Kunk as a documentary rather than just as a little talking head. Yeah, was we'd seen watched for for one of the wipe shows a program called. Uh, Stephen Tomkinson's African Balloon Adventure, <laughs> which is the best title ever. And it was Stephen Tomkinson, the actor, in a balloon going through uh, on safari in Africa. And there's a brilliant moment where he finds, I think it's a wounded lion or something, and he's rushing up and his voiceover goes, it took all my skills as a vet to work out what was wrong. And he wanted to, we were just screaming at the screen, you're not a vet! You pretend, literally, you're the person who's least useful now. Because not only are you not a vet, you're pretending to be a vet, which is really harmful. And it was sort of inspired this idea that, that, that television loves the idea. It hates actual experts. Yeah. But it loves people who pretend to be experts. Yeah. It was very interesting that as, because she not only thought she'd saved a life and, and it made me think... I mean, there is another it? little moment. What if it's to do with a straw, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. This was where they brought the, the coke in a bottle with a straw and she knew 
that you can't have because it would put air into your. Uh, well, oh right! Body. So she had so been she paying got attention. Rid, she chucked the straw and made her sip the coke, and that's what cured her. And she yeah. knew that from her training. Now I thought, as an actor, it, you know, you, you you pretend to be a thing, but no, it turns out she'd actually had medical right. training or something to do this. So there's, I know you're mocking Stephen Tomlinson, but he may well. Where were we? A wounded lion I don't know. Maybe I'm doubting the power of, of proper method acting. I mean, who would be the most qualified? I mean, Danny Dyer, who's spent you know the hardest time in difficult environments that bloke off EastEnders Ross Kemp Ross Kemp is the man you need in a in, a, in any situation in a tight jam I'd go for Ross Kemp every time frankly as just a, you know you would want you go well the SAS might come and rescue me but if uh, if someone sends Ross Kemp it's because we trust their faces you see if you're familiar yeah. with them on the television if, if for instance uh, and, you know back in the day if you had a uh, before Tomkinson's vet training yeah. if you back in the day you had an ill animal and you know Robert Hardy turned up yep. dressed as C. Cree Farnham from all yeah. creatures great and small you trust him but because he's, like, he's the vet off the telly this is, this is the vet turned up you go, I don't trust that would you trust Tristram no but this not is the, so much this no. is the problem we, we laugh about this but this is what's happened with Trump is that Trump plays the yes. hardest negotiator in the world on television, and America mistook him for that. A bit like the Three Amigos or Galaxy Quest. <laughs> and you've got, or to re- you've got to remember that actually he's just an actor. And what's even worse is that, he, unlike the Three Amigos, he doesn't know he can't do it. He's Buzz Lightyear, and he thinks he can fly. I think that this is the problem that our whole culture has got, is Michelle Keegan and a Coke in a restaurant leads to Trump. We could end up in a nuclear apocalypse because because we're all trusting Michelle King. I mean, surely for some people, having a full-fat coat would kill them. Yeah, but she knew. That's <laughs> the thing. She, knew, she somehow knew. Training, I admit, Sanders. I admit there was no discussion. I felt we dwell on this quite a lot, but I, no, like I don't it. know. But the point, but you're right to bring it up because the point is, she said, and I knew she was low in sugar. No explanation <laughs> as to how she knew she was low in sugar. Have, she just knew. We've had enough what? of experts. We have had enough. I, Michelle Keegan, off of Coronation Street, <laughs> know damn well that the woman over here has dropped sugar levels, and I'm going to fix it. Is there an actress in the house? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Yes, there is. What if it's a doctor just pretending to be an actress? Oh, <laughs> confusing. In that episode as well, this is Tuesdays, wasn't it? This is Tuesdays, yeah. yeah. There was a great line. It was, always, it was always, and the one show did this very well, where they introduce a pre-recorded VT film. And the, there was a line in it that made it sound like the thing I'd least want to watch. It was a, it was like the worst <laughs> intro to a film. It's like, you're supposed to be selling this, so I stay tuned. And they just... You know, finished talking about the woman and the coke bottle, and then just went. Um, and and now, in fact, they. It wasn't even their fault. It wasn't even in the link. It was the opening line of the film no. where the person presenting it went, "I've come here to Pontypridd, yeah. Lido, <laughs> to see how much people know about WhatsApp's changes." Yes. <laughs> what? Why? Why have you gone there? What are you talking about? It said it as the most obvious thing. I was going to point that out because when you have to make stuff like this, you've got to go somewhere. <laughs> and they've probably got a Welsh where you go, oh, Jesus, right, we got a crew in Pontypridd the day before doing That's a exactly s- story yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. giraffes Would or something. So they go, oh, fuck. <laughs> right, hold on. In the case of WhatsApp, the company has raised the minimum age to set up an account from 13 to 16. But will it make a difference? I've come here to Pontypridd Lido to see how much people know about WhatsApp's changes. Would it would it help the one show if they just rented a studio with an infinity psych, like a huge like, endless yes. white? I said, I've come to the Phantom Zone <laughs> to ask people, are they aware of WhatsApp's changes? And no one in Britain could say, oh. We've got the Phantom Zone again. Not come here. It could be anywhere. Yeah. I've like, come to the ice planet of Hoth <laughs> to find out what the rebels think of Snapchat. <laughs> I think a green screen could make this program a lot cheaper. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why they don't do. But that was an, it. Was amazing. But I, and that's what we love about the one show. Yeah. Just the way they the, can sort of Tuesday was an absolutely belting show. Like, the, the other and that's two, even before you know, we get onto the dog that smelled well, newts. You're jumping doggy spells. You're mi- you're missing uh, the I, obesity report. Yes. <laughs> in which it was the brilliant thing. They were convinced that it was basically some people. That, there's a documentary about if you just drink milk for nine weeks, you lose weight. Doctor ja- Javid Abdul Monam. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he said, he invested in crash diets, and he said there were some sceptics. 
politics. I'm thinking, I don't think you could ever find someone who doesn't believe if you just drink milk for nine weeks, <laughs> you will lose weight. I think that's something that is quite hard to be sceptical about. Yeah. Well, I mean, it might be just a terrible thing to do. But they, they, they were sort of saying that people poo-poo the idea that eating nothing will make you lose weight. No, no one poo-poos no. that. They were setting it up as, as if they, they'd found out that awful stance of going, you sheeple think that just drinking milk would make you fat. Yeah. And it, no, no one thinks that. And yet they ended, and they had that brilliant. They, were, they talked to a vicar. Yeah, who was called the it was Father, Father Paul. Paul. Father Paul, who was there, who was brilliant, who didn't understand <laughs> the link that threw to him. Where, where Alex Jones said something like, um, "So how did you find it?" And he thought she literally meant, "How did he find out <laughs> about yeah. the diet?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought yeah. it takes yeah. a lot to get a guest who can't follow the link, can't follow a throw to them that says, "How did you find it?" The answer is, "It was quite hard, and I lost lots of weight." Yeah. And he was talking for ages about, about the, the email, the email he got looking for fat vicars to have a go on this. And um, Father Paul, now you did nine weeks of this, the soup and yes. the drink and all the rest of it, um, because you were overweight by your own admission, but also you had type two diabetes, didn't you? So this was, you know, it was, it was an answer to that problem as well how did you find then the experiment well it found me through an email that invited me to be involved in an experiment and I, I said yes mm-hmm. and uh, it led me uh, to be where I am now uh, you know, it's a classic thing of them promoting a BBC One show that's coming yeah. up and so on and so forth. But you're thinking, well, this is this is watched by the One Show viewers, right? And I'm not casting aspersions on them. No, I no, think, no, no, no. Actually, I think I am. Because it's dangerous. Because if you're going, look, look at these people just, just drinking a bowl of stuff every day instead of eating for nine weeks or whatever it was, and they've lost weight. They were very keen to say, it's not for everyone. The NHS have not approved this. This is not a crash What are you on television then? Because people will just do this now and die, and then Michelle Keegan will have to run in with a bottle of Coke (laughs) and revive them. (laughs) Unless, of course, what you put in that bowl is Nesquik. (laughs) Which you can maintain exactly the same weight on that. I like the fact that Father Paul looked a bit like Bobby George, the darts player. (laughs) Even though he'd lost loads of weight. If I lost loads of weight, the first thing I do is buy lots of very, very skinny tops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was wearing a huge darts player's Vickers outfit. He hadn't changed his Vickers outfit. It was the same one he was wearing on the previous photos. So it made him look like he was really ill. Yeah. And that awful thing, someone's lost loads of weight. Obviously, it had done loads for his health. It had made him feel... But he was wearing the same outfit. So he looked like he was shrinking due to a ray fired by Ming the Merciless. (laughs) (laughs) It was a horrible vision of, like, I don't know, someone had zapped a Vicar. In, and that, that, in the parade of amazing teeth that is the one show. <laughs> yeah. Father Paul, good on you. There's, there's some good British teeth. They were very good, Father Paul's they? teeth were yeah, I mean, excellent. presumably, the reason he was on that liquid diet is because no food can get past them. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a, and, and there's Michelle with a straw. She's back. <laughs> Showing it into the face of a And, and they say vicar. straws are going to destroy the planet. And yeah. actually, they're going to save it. Yeah. Oh. We'll stay with that same programme because we're on it. About we're the, the newts. The, the newts. I mean, it's a dog that yeah. smells this, newts. This is yeah. the story that was the HS2 versus newt story with Jeremy Corbyn presenting it. That one. That's, that's yeah. exactly right. Living in the middle of where the London to Birmingham line is being built is one of Europe's largest populations of great crested newts. Well, they really are beautiful animals. They're Britain's largest amphibian, also known as the underwater dragon. They are so protected, HS2 have only been given permission to build if the entire colony can be successfully moved. And they plan to rehome all the newts they find in more than 200 specially built artificial ponds nearby. The trouble is, they have to find them first. Yeah, it was a story about newts. Now, we got, we got a couple of tweets about this as well, which I should mention. Uh, Christine, uh, who listens to the, the One Show show, uh, Julie, as well, Julie Prunes on Twitter, said, uh, sometimes I don't know where the pain meds stop and reality starts. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure, but I think there was just a dog trying to sniff out newts on BBC One. Can't wait to hear it being discussed on the, the One Show show. So here we are, Julie. This is your moment. And then Queen's B on Twitter, Queen B, has said his name was Rocky, either that or I'm taking your medication as well. Uh, Christine said, a dog relied on to save all the rare newts. They don't discuss all the other wildlife which will be displaced. They just relied, they talked about the newts. So, you know, there was a whole gambit of stuff going on that people think they've dreamt. 
Well, that I think happens if you watch the one show for too long. It was a very doggy week. There was dogs and ducks in one of the one yeah, of the episodes, dogs and, ducks. and there was dogs and, and newts this time. It yeah, always no. ends up with a with a, a dog story. It tends to be at the end of the of the one show. Yep. I like that. It, I, it threw across to that man who it wasn't Jeremy Corbyn, but it might as well have been. <laughs> yeah. So across between Jeremy Corbyn and Ken Livingston, like a newt fixated Jeremy. Yeah. Corbyn. He's their wildlife go to, by it? the way. Yeah, he does I, all of the wildlife. He's going to put loads of rotting film. stuff in a room. Yeah, right. he's, I can't remember his name. He, he I'm, I'm fascinated by this because I don't really follow this is net where it becomes exactly like being on a walking dead podcast i don't really follow the show yeah so a lot of the characters are new to me yeah and they throw across them, to you new to <laughs> me, they throw across to them by first names only yeah yeah and that makes me go and uh, of course jeff and i'm like oh yeah jeff I don't, I don't follow the show i don't know who jeff is i don't know jeff's backstory do i have to follow back and you're telling me there's an interesting backstory to jeff's journey to, towards the newts well he does yeah, he was a bloke on channel four who um put loads of i think i'm right on this i might be wrong loads of stuff in a we, room we and watched it rot and they filmed it and it was amazing to see a I mean, that's basically the one show or my uh, student years um, you know so it would have been useful to say this man is a really good yeah. professor of wildlife no 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 he's just Jeff he's our mate Jeff the, the one show family feels like yeah. there are cousins and, and wacky neighbours and things like that it is like dropping in on a, on a very very complicated dynastic soap opera which, which I, I think is where this, po- this podcast comes into its own because at yeah. least we're we're explaining what's going on. So I, I don't you know. don't even have... This is unique in that I think, you know, when people go in for sort of fan show podcasts, it's because they like the show and have watched it, yeah. whereas this is there for people who can't be asked to watch <laughs> no, it and never will. No need. <laughs> We've done the hard work. We've done it all for <laughs> So it was, it was HS2 was going to displace newts. It was going to displace a hell lot, hell of a lot more than newts, but they concentrated specifically on newts. So, so the, the newts, newts were representative of exactly. Many, now these many are not all things. newts, of course. Yeah. So I learned a thing here. It's only great crested newts right. that are endangered. Right? If you've got a smooth newt, right, you're fine. You can smash that to bits, and no one will give a shit. <laughs> right? And, they were, and, and they're the grey squirrels of newts. <laughs> yeah. No one cares. Uh, but it's a great crested. But but how the problem is is you have to move all of the newts out of the way of of the HS2, smashing them to bits. Like you do if you're building a housing estate, you have to check right. the newts, right? There's a plan to rehouse them. So they've got all these all these newts, but you've got to find the newt. The problem, they explained, is finding the newts. Not, right. not rehousing them in specially built ponds, finding them. And normally what you do is you dig a hole in the ground and you put a bucket and wait for newts to fall in it and then you take them away. But now they've got Rocky the dog who's trained to sniff out newts. Now not just any newt, the great crested newt because they smell different to the smooth newt. Very time Rocky's still a puppy. Rocky is in training. Yeah. He's not qualified right. yet. Okay, so yeah. This, yeah. If you can't find the newts, yeah. couldn't you pretend there weren't any and then just build the train? Well, that's very cynical. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't want to say, I'm just saying, you could save a lot of effort by telling everyone the newts had already moved on. <laughs> and then what? look at the front of the train as it arrives in the north and it's got Scrape the newts, newts off really quick. Pull the newts off, put them somewhere no one knows. I reckon the Illuminati would sort this out pretty quickly. The newt conspiracy. Yeah. So, so, so some bloke standing by the railway tracks sort of fagging out and going, what, what newts? Yeah. Oh, no, he left, he left last week. Yeah, 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 the, yeah, the, the newts. Yeah, they were, what they yeah, did with the dog, though, the experiment with the dog, was they got it to... Um, I mean, it was the least dramatic television I've ever seen. <laughs> wow. And you've watched a lot of one. I have. But what they did, they put the most dramatic music they could find yeah. on the least dramatic thing wow. that was happening. So they, this dog, there was a plank with some holes cut in it with jars, one of which contained a newt. The others contained either nothing, a glove that had handled a newt, or a smooth newt. And the dog had to be tested, best of five, to see if it could find the great crested newt. And they sort of went... And here it here he goes. He's with number one. And then this dramatic drone music came from Will the dog find the new Eight tins are lined up. One has a great crested newton, one a smooth newt, and the others are empty or contain gloves that were used to handle the newts. Okay, Aaron. Oh, that's amazing. He's right first time. But was it just a fluke? They run the test again. Yes, it really easily found the new. Well, you've got to do it five times. You go, have I got to sit through this five <laughs> times? As the music got more and more dramatic. So they went... It's what like Deal show, or No Deal. What they they basically, it's what Deal or No Deal looks like to me. <laughs> they showed you twice it getting it right cut three and four because yeah. that's too much went back to five will he get it will he get will the newt the fifth time oh. will he find the newt and the implication was because of the drama if he doesn't find it the dog will be destroyed <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the same drama they try on things like Britain's Got Talent and the X Factor. There. <laughs> I, I always went that, that level of, of jeopardy they put yeah. in those things should be that if you don't get through the next round, they rip your throat out with dogs. Yeah. <laughs> You'll never sing again. The idea that you might just go home and just enjoy singing is not an option. So no. they should do that. Should no, just shoot the Brit- dog. Bolt gun, ready for the dog. If it <laughs> fails at newt. But this is Britain's, uh, Rocky's Britain's only conservation dog in training. Yeah. So if Rocky screws up, that means all funding for conservation right. dogs could be withdrawn. The whole conservation dog movement I've, could be destroyed. This week and then was, where would that lead? This week was quite a big one for um, Britain's exceptional. They, they, they're good on Britain's only rescue dog. If something is on the one show, it really helps if it's Britain's only or Britain's best. Yeah. Because they got this sort of, they're sort of, they're talking to the nation saying we are the, the Roy Castles, the curators of exceptionalism. So I was delighted to see they managed to fit in Britain's hairiest baby. <laughs> 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 which, was, which was, I think that link, I wrote down three versions of it before they said Britain's hairiest baby. I went, oh, yeah, that's how to describe this. It is Britain's hairiest yeah, only baby. Britain's hairiest baby been trained to smell new. <laughs> we would then there. find ourselves going, this is perfect television. It was, it was one of the best handbrake turns of the week. So, so, well, we always come to a handbrake turn well, of the week. It is a feature. So. Just for me, I'd just like to say, oh yeah, so the, the uh, off the back of Rocky the dog, a superb comment, Link. Uh, it was smooth. It wasn't a handbrake turn. Yeah, uh, from Alex, because uh, she then said, "Michelle, by chance, I think you've got a new rescue yeah, story, yeah. haven't you? Yes, <laughs> by chance, <laughs> by chance. And you know, you a researcher has been in their dressing room before he started yeah. going. Also, have you got a newt story? Also, did uh, you save a newt with a bottle of coke? Have uh, you got Alex a Jones has been here before. She's asked Madonna for a newt rescue story. <laughs> she suffered before. Liam Neeson had none, and she knows this time round the newt rescue story is ready. And it, what, what was the story? <laughs> so, so it was, I mean, I, said, I used a, the word it, story. No, it I mean, was, it was very, very I mean, broad. Alex set it up. It was there for Michelle to knock out out of the park <laughs> so apparently she was uh, when she was a child you, by the way you don't knock them out of the park you rehome them out of the park just to be clear <laughs> well, no, what, what Michelle Keegan tried to do this is before she saved the life of someone in a restaurant with a can of coke she was a child she, she found an in, a newt that wasn't well poorly possibly yeah, yeah. injured yeah. she tried to revive it I think with heart massage yes, <laughs> that's what right. she said yeah. Yeah. this it, is before she had that actress training uh, though and, and she's it, amazing but it died <laughs> oh. it did um, but anyway it turns out Michelle that you don't just rescue people in restaurants no you also had a go at rescuing a newt tried <laughs> tried when I was nine years old yes I did but um, no I didn't survive I tried to pump its heart that's where, you know, that's where I got the taste of being a medic oh. from. That's where it came from. <laughs> you should have given a little, a little bottle of cork without a straw. <laughs> should have got a straw in it. At least you tried. You give me exactly. your best shot, I mean. Oh, right. Oh, OK. Well, at least, at least you tried, I suppose. <laughs> Rule of Three, a podcast presented by me, Joel Morris. And me, Jason Hazley. In which we talk to people who make comedy. About the films. And TV. And books. And records. And comics. And people that make them laugh. She doesn't want people having a go at Martin, <laughs> even though she can. And that's true. I mean, most of my friends are idiots, but they're my friends. Yeah. <laughs> I never really understood what Hans Solo did for a job. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need to know anything more than, like, he's just sobbing while being punched in the balls. They were just trying to make each other laugh in the office. You have to show a certain amount of contempt for your audience. (laughs) (laughs) Write your own jokes, Ben Amore, you lazy bastard. (laughs) Follow us on Twitter, at Rule of Three Pod. Rule of Three. Available now from all good podcastier. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Dear podcast connoisseur, it's entirely evident that you know your podcast stuff. Why else are you here? That's why I'm here to recommend Smashpod. What a helpful chap. Now, Smashpod is a podcast celebrating all the Bond films and Bond-related films by those who enjoy, hate, or, you know, just aren't asked about them. Hosted by me, John Rain. If he's half the genius they say he is, we're in for real trouble. So why not join me as I delve deeply into Bond and Bond-related films, tackling a different film in each episode with an exciting guest by my side. <laughs> I promise... He'll have a lovely time. That's putting it mildly, 007. Oh, shut up, Q. Put your fingers away, for God's sake. I hope you don't snore, Q. <laughs> Matt Baker had his own take on this, didn't he, as well? Because it came off the back of the film, um, it, the whole thing, but Matt Baker went a bit political with us, and he just sort what? of... <laughs> so the newts are being saved. Good news. And, and he sort of went, well, good news for newts, but um, not so good for the ancient woodland. <laughs> That probably wasn't in your script, was it? The green man, he's Pan, Herm the Hunter. (laughs) He looks like, it struck me this way, he just reminds me of like an enchanted uh, toy soldier. (laughs) He's like a little wooden man who's been given the gift of life for having saved a sugar mouse. So he's learning to impersonate. I like it, it's really sweet, he's just so upright and lovely. Now we mentioned Handbrake Turn of the Week, so we should come to that. So uh, this is where we take your examples, of course, of where we lurch... Uh, in a very unsophisticated <laughs> way, from one subject to the next. Now, the one show are absolute kings and queens, and uh, they're just so good at this, and it's so in the script. They have to do it, because they've got a limited amount of time to be on air. Yeah. They have to get from subject to subject, but some of these, of course, are absolute gold. What did you spot? I was watching this, and the thing that fascinated me this week particularly is people attempting to wrest control of the vehicle during a handbrake turn, and it happened repeatedly. Ross Noble was mm. on, and obviously Ross Noble's stock in trade is unusual tangential jumps of thought. Yeah. And he kept being slightly ahead of where the, the joke was going, turning it into a joke, and they go, no, no, come back come back and do it straight. And he kept jumping on the car and trying to grab the wheel, and they wouldn't let him. And it was quite <laughs> unseemly in the one that he was in. But the best person was when they had Cindy Lauper on. Right. And Cindy Lauper kept changing the subject because she's basically Bjork's gran, and she's got like a brain that can't stay on one subject. She would change the subject before they had. And they were trying to keep her. She was talking about Cindy Lauper, which is her favourite subject. Yeah. They had a pound break turn ready to say, you've had lots of haircuts, unusual <laughs> haircuts. We're going to go to a hairdresser who's met Britain's hairiest baby. And she was talking about Cindy Lauper. She changed the subject and they had to get her back onto wow, herself that's a skill. in order to stop the vehicle turning over as it went into quite a well-prepared, but shit, handbrake turn into that. It was one of those things she called me. We were talking about another project and mm. then all of a sudden she called me and said, listen, I'm doing Spongebob. You want to write a song? I have all these other artists writing a song. I mean, when you think about it, she got a Bowie song. She has uh, Brian Urie from uh, Panic mm. in the Disco. Yep. She has, I think, a John Legend song. Wow. She's got, I mean, there's so many. There's 17. I was nominated with 17 other people. There you go. But it's kind of a good crowd yeah. to be part of, isn't oh, it? Oh, really? I mean, it's it was it was fun, and I got to host the uh, Tony luncheons. It was interesting. That's I fun. saw. Who I saw Gwenda Jackson. I yeah. saw Tell you what, Johnny, you on because we you can just... talk about your hair while you keep talking if you want. Glenda Jackson, who's in extraordinary in, um, Free Tall Women. Tall women. <laughs> She's wonderful in this it, It's on Broadway. It's a great show. A really right. great show. Well, you're, counter- you're full of suggestions. This is excellent. Um, <laughs> other than her great songs, one of Cindy's most recognisable features. And the only way they could use Cindy Lauper properly was to stop talking to her. So they did a handbrake turn out of uh, Britain's Hairiest Baby into Cindy Lauper on the forecourt playing the trombone. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and that was done wordlessly. Then you put a trombone in her mouth. And so they went, it's okay, you can do this. You can literally do the most Roger irrelevant link from a hairy baby in Liverpool to an 80s rock star playing the trombone. But we'll do it without words. Just the image will be enough. I thought she was absolutely textbook. Well, she had prefigured the trombone thing. I was going to mention the trombone moment because yeah. when it first came up, they, she was chatting to Josh Groban about music and being from an artistic background. He was background. like a handler, wasn't he? I know. He, he seemed to know her. I was like, he was it's looking kind of after like, her. Like, it's like, All you know, right, Grand. Yeah, like, come to the one yeah, show. Yeah, come, stick with me. Stay with me. Look at my eyes. And uh, <laughs> he was talking about how music was a therapy and things, and he'd miss it if it wasn't around. And she went, yeah, a bit like playing the trombone. And then, what the, what the <laughs> hell? What? That was her sort of massive handbrake turn. Yeah, but, she's skidding constantly. But Matt Baker, he goes, we've got a trombone. Of course, of course. Here it is. Yeah. You go, how, we, how could you get... It, it sounded theory. like she was never going to say this, the word trombone. This theory to one. you. Talked about this before, right, where we think, we don't know, but we think, and as a TV producer, John, you might, you might be able to enlighten us, we think there is a, a, a basically a cupboard full of films they've already got and features and instrument and stuff they've got. And if somebody mentions something, anything at all, some researcher somewhere or producer is rapidly looking through the database going, we've got a film about that, quickly. And in Matt Baker's ear, they're going, link to it somehow, link to it somehow. She said a trombone, we've got a trombone, link to the trombone. And he's just going super fast, super skilled, yeah. saying, yeah, we've got one of them. They recorded it months ago, but they've got that, pull it in today. And we don't think the one show's structured at all. It's just a random collection of stuff they've got so it's like they it's hard, on the fly it's, it's, it's like hard the, to make it look totally chaotic it's like the south, the south Park episode about Family Guy where the manatees are just picking balls out of a pool <laughs> yeah. with subjects on exactly it, it's actually what, like watching improv television <laughs> <laughs> Never say no, always say yes, and just change the subject. Yeah. yeah. Take suggestions it's from the audience. It's remarkable. Yeah. I mean, it's, we, have, uh, we have to admire yeah. it. Talk about um, things being on the shelf. I know it's on Monday's episode, or items, a stock of items. Yeah. There was an example that um, continuity makes you go, hold on, how long have they had this around? Brilliantly, it was about Roger's sell-by-date food. Oh, that was a good story. Okay. That's a great story. Roger, <laughs> Roger's food is a uh, warehouse in Plymouth where they sell... Food that's still safe, but past its sell-by date. Yep. Fortunately, it seemed Roger wasn't available, but Mark was. I bet, <laughs> I bet the producers are really annoyed. Look, can't you get Roger? No, it's called Roger's Food. Roger must <laughs> be there. Roger? No, it's his business partner, Mark, who was really good. So it's about sell-by dates. They're trying some crisps. Uh, there's Sean Mendes tries a crisp. He doesn't know what the from hell it t- is. From, from 2014. Some old from 2014. Can I, can I just say, by the way, that on no other outlet anywhere, in this podcast is probably the only one where you'd get the sentence, Sean Mendes trying some crisps. Let's be honest. Sean Mendes did not try the crisps. No, he didn't. When ah, he found out no, they from 2014, he didn't want it. his insurance and his handlers obviously at the back go, do not vomit. <laughs> <laughs> do not knock this tour. Sean Mendes, someone I looked up on my phone, uh, is a singer, Canadian singer of yeah. some sort. Uh, and huge Instagram following, and he, a very good-looking lad, would would be ruined by eating vintage crisps. <laughs> yeah. So he didn't. He refused to. I mean, obviously, people are doing this out of necessity too. But do you want to have? Would you try? I mean, four years old. Would you try those? Do you want to, I mean, listen. I'm you're after the performance. Have yeah. you got insurance? You yeah, I so, think I should. Is it so? Let him. It's do four it. years. Like. I mean, they've not yeah. been left out, have they? And Ross Noble brilliantly said, you talk about the album, Ali Old Chris, <laughs> well, welcome to Britain. Yeah. <laughs> Which I love. Brilliant. I'm sure Mendes had no idea. But at the end of that item, it's all filmed in a warehouse. Now, it's quite interesting. There were hardly any exteriors. couple on the outside, the side. And at the end, the final link is done pushing a trolley across a snow-covered car park. <laughs> Which means that it was shot in December. <laughs> so, the show, so the show, so on an item about things oh. with sell-by dates itself, <laughs> we've been on the shelf. We've been on the shelf for six months. It's meta. Do you see what I mean? That when you oh, talking about yes. how many do yeah, they yeah, film? Yeah. So, but only that final shot gave it away. Oh god! Uh, probably, so you go, if you probably those 2014 vintage crisps when that was filmed were only a year <laughs> they, old. They, they, so well they were bringing them in. They, those hey. have also been in the storage cupboard for quite a long time. <laughs> that film could have been there. Who knows? Two, three years. It's a snowy Amazing. day. Maybe yeah. that's why they, they've all got best before dates on these films. They just have to drag them out before. <laughs> Open the can. Yeah. Give, oh. give it a sniff. Go if it doesn't on. smell, yeah. you can probably put it on television. <laughs> <laughs> Let the dog have a sniff. The dog have a sniff. show dogs. <laughs> <laughs> that also ended Do they with... go off? I mean, can I, is it, is it, obviously there's the 
sell sell by date, which means it's legit, and, and then use, there's a use by date, which means it's toxic. Also, but they, they go across to one, and they go, uh, and over there is Randolph, and it's black and white, and there's Mega Hen here at the edge, and it's like obviously they've had that there since 1936, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's I don't know, it's, it's some presenter who's now Ron Pickering, it's someone who's died. It's still doing, that ended brilliantly with the, the Shawn Mendes thing with him showing pictures of how he designed his album cover, and it was all I barely followed it, bits and bobs all over the place, little bits of some enormous artwork, which made Alex Jones say, have you seen a question of sport? (laughs) (laughs) A question you can't ask. Uh, Not only a Canadian sensation, but one who's about 12. The answer, Alex, is going to be no. And she was trying to say, oh, it's a bit like that bit on question of sport where they show little bits of someone's face. But it's a resonance he's not going to get. It's quite a niche programme now. It's moved to late night. (laughs) So yes, I catch up. I binge on it. He manfully (laughs) answered it as if that was a reasonable question. I thought his patience was amazing. Yes. Anyway, he was... All credit to the boy. Um, Speaking of... Ross Noble, uh, you know, a great guest and everything else. But on Friday last week, Al Murray presented it. What? So he turned up, uh, and it, apparently it wasn't the first time. First time I'd seen him do it, certainly, and I didn't know he'd done it before. Um, but Al Murray presenting the one show, which you sort of go, well, how, how's this going to go? I don't, I don't, that's two worlds. Is that two worlds colliding? I'm not sure. Yeah. He looked, in, at the beginning, he looked very uncomfortable. You could see him reading. In character? Yeah. No, no. No, no, he's just as in, Al Murray. Just as Al Murray. Right. In character would have been much, I know, that's much, what, much, that's much that's more the vision of uh, Brexit, Brexit Britain. Yeah. But so he, you could see him, you know, and I love Al, you know, great, right? But he, obviously at the beginning, it's a live television programme, make anyone nervous, of course. And it, so he's got the, he's trying to do the autocue, but it's obviously, you know, he's got to read what's written and what's written isn't great. And it's not also it's not in Al Murray's voice either. If yeah. you sort of mean, he's just reading what Matt Baker would normally read. They haven't they haven't tailored it to Al, uh, so he's doing his best with well, it and messing around with it a bit and doing a, you know quite a good job with all of that. But it just, it was just such an incongruous thing because then they had the guy he was having to interview the guys from um, Queer Eye who had come over to promote yeah. promote the, the new series on Netflix. Well, they were showing them a, a series of pictures at one point of people. They did that thing of going, send us your pictures for the one show. We love all the pictures. Uh, they don't, of course. They went, okay, so-and-so from somewhere has sent us this picture of him dressed up. What do you think of that, Queer Eye guys? And they were saying, oh, that, that doesn't work at all. He's wearing a tank top and it doesn't work. And then, for a joke, they got a picture of Al as the pub landlord, right? <laughs> and even though he's holding it up and showing them this, and the joke was, of course, they have to analyse Al Murray, they didn't realise it was him. Right. So wow. there was this really weird thing of them describing, sort of saying, well, this guy, I don't know about this guy, it doesn't look too bad. And you're thinking, it's, it's him, he's holding up a picture of himself it, and then he's not noticing. Isn't their job to be able to observe stuff? Yeah. That's kind of, because it's got the word I in the title of their <laughs> programme. Their eye is supposed to be able to see through things and see the essence of someone. Come on, that's a great outfit. You know what, that's actually, a really, that's a I'm not actually that opposed to that outfit. You yeah. know, I think that he should go a little bit tighter on the collar. Change yeah. the tie. Yeah, change, change the tie. tie. That's Sherry's husband. Yeah. But yeah, overall, outfit. if this guy walked in, I would not say he would look horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I agree completely. His tie matches the first guy's goatee. It's a great costume. What about? But it was such a weird thing because you go, no, you've not grasped what they were trying to do. And the joke was the. Would that joke work, though, that it's not Al Murray? It's a character anyway. It's a slightly yeah. odd Isn't it thing a, to show up a picture it's of yourself a in fancy dress. It's a variation on that old thing that Vic and Bob nailed about Noel Evans, that he always liked pictures of him from the past where he looked slightly different. Oh, no, don't show that yeah. one. <laughs> and it's meant to be that, but it doesn't work if you've picked the picture up yourself. They were utterly, yeah. honestly, I've never seen a sofa of uh, men be so confused as to what was going on on the one show as the Queer Eye guys. They, ju- they, they kept need to missing to podcast. what was going on. They need to listen to this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if anyone knows them, forward it in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Al, Al, Al was quite, you know, got a good joke in at one point. There was a film about uh, the club 18 to 30 holidays are closing, they're collapsing, oh, right. um, because the millennials don't like the idea of that debauchery that we all had growing no, up where no. you go, oh, Club Angel the Holiday, yeah. They don't want that. They want Instagram locations there and they're not they, interested They don't in going want to go to Ibiza and sit around a single no. bottle of Beck's <laughs> or anything like they do in Pretending the pub. time. <laughs> but Al then said, because uh, the, the, the thing was, there was a couple they interviewed who were, were, had been on 18 to 30 holiday back in the day and had since got married. So the idea, the thing was, it wasn't all about just sleeping around. It was, oh, look, couples. We yeah. found one. Um, but Al just said, oh, I like a happy ending with that kind of story. And he had a little twinkle in his eye because he'd just done a wank joke (laughs) on the one show. Ten years ago, we got married in Santorini on the clifftop of the Caldera and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Oh, how lovely. 
That's probably happened once where it's somebody's a, actually got married. <laughs> oh, no, I like a happy ending with that kind of story. Now, uh, Tan, you're, you're, you're British, aren't you? I sure am. Um, did you ever go on a Club 1830 holiday? Do you know what? I didn't. It wasn't really my cup of tea. You missed out. Uh, did I miss out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you smuggled think, it in. Well done. Uh, you smuggled it in. I admire that. You don't get that from Matt Baker, do you? No. <laughs> you don't know maybe Matt Baker's sense of humour is very, very subtle. And he's constantly smuggling in wank jokes and they're just at a frequency you can't hear. Only a dog can hear. This was the episode where Alex Jones uh, nearly choked to death as well, by the way. Okay. She, they, they were doing a feature on... I missed this episode, um, so... I, I, yeah, you're, no, you're, no, no, this, no, This is very exciting um, news. It was another handbrake turn where they, they had a conversation about Queer Eye, then about something else, and then it was simply... Now, Al, said Alex Jones, how do you think the pub landlord would react to vegan steak on a menu. Now, there was no context of what the pub landlord was at all, by the <laughs> way. So it's funny you had to... We, I knew. Queer Eye guys did not. No, you know, yeah. you think, make, he, do he people knows. know that... Anyway, and, it, and he just said, oh, uh, that he'd hate it or something. And then they went to a film about uh, some steak that they made out of vegan food and they were testing it on the streets and all the rest of it. They came back, as they often do, with that food on the table in front of them. And everyone was trying it. So every, even the Queer Eye guys, they'd all got this bit of, bit of steak to eat. And then Alex did that thing that they often do, tried the food, then tried to speak, and then just began to choke. Mm -hmm. Right, well, stay watching for a live performance from Snow Patrol at the end of the show. The start of what's set to be a big weekend of live music across the BBC. Yes, over the next four days, we'll be entertaining crowds across all of the four... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Four home nations. Properly starting to joke. Oh, I was like, where's oh Michelle Keegan? <laughs> <laughs> like, do they have her in a cupboard? She, Resi. Yeah. She's just break glass. Fetch the actress. Well, Rocky the dog could come in, diagnose the problem. Oh, <laughs> Michelle, Michelle doesn't need a dog. She just knows. <laughs> and this episode ended uh, with um, them going outside onto the forecourt, which is uh, another oh, thing yeah. they like to do. Mm. Of course, where... <laughs> to have a fight. When Snow, <laughs> if only Snow Patrol were playing instead, which yeah. is it's kind of the musical equivalent of that. Um, but the, she said it came back off this film about bluebells, which they only used as a buffer to get from inside to outside. It's just a film of some bluebells in a wood. And then she said, uh, the Queer Eye guys have just told me that my, my, my top is completely see-through. And she stood there clutching <laughs> her own tits throughout the entire last leak. <laughs> Hiding her nipples. Is that why they couldn't see Al Murray? Because they were just staring <laughs> at Alex Jones' knockers. It was so weird. Why did she reference that? Maybe because it looked weird that she was holding her own tits. I don't know. Oh, it was a very strange... strange she just clutched herself. Uh, and that's how the programme ended. Which uh, right. you know. well, It could have well. ended with her death. So I suppose it's, it's, it's a positive <laughs> yeah. thing. She didn't choke to death. The, the thing about presenters and them sort of switching presenters and there being a little one show family of people and guest presenters and, and guest people taking over from Matt and things. There was a really weird one and the, the story about dogs and ducklings that was on during the week about a dog that had made friends with a bunch of ducklings at Mount Fitchett Castle which is a castle uh, up near Stansted yeah. I go to a lot and it's a privately owned castle it's not owned by the National Trust which means it's really brilliantly tacky as in there's no educational value I love Mount Fitchett <laughs> Castle it's just full of you'll be amazed in a, in a medieval village how many people were involved in torture and hanging because <laughs> it's made for horrible kids so there's this lovely charming story about a dog and some ducks with a man and a gibbet in the same <laughs> shot so it's great but it was about a dog and dog and it was presented instead of by a person it was presented by the typeface Helvetica yeah. Issa <laughs> which is every time there would normally be a link it was on screen in the sort of I can has cheeseburger type face like an internet meme and there was no one presenting it it was just going so what does the dog and it, a typeface would say so what does the dog do with the ducks and then someone from Stanford Mount Fitchett would answer and it gave me a, a they just got no presenter no, for it no, just gave no me no a vision of the future they sent a crew up there without someone who could do on camera and I went oh god this is the future where the one show presents itself <laughs> It's become sentient. <laughs> so wow. I'm slightly worried that the more of these stories presented by Ooh. the internet typeface Helvetica Instrument we have, the more we're in danger of losing our presenters. Well, funny you should mention that, Joel, because, of course, there was an item about um, turning people into bionic yeah. creatures. Yeah. So you, you've, you've done, effectively, a, one, uh, well, a seamless one-show link outright <laughs> People getting microchips so I could get through doors. Yeah. I think handles. Handles will do. Yeah, but there was a fellow who didn't have any hands. Didn't, is didn't this like, hands, so I didn't see this amazing. one. So is this like the cat, cat flap cat thing? Flap, where, where you, it was tomorrow's world. Yeah, yeah. There, there was, it was actually quite... It seemed like bullshit until they had a guy who'd, who'd become limbless, and it was very, very useful because it didn't, meant he didn't have to deal with, with uh, using a prosthetic to get his keys. Yeah. He'd get an, he, this is brilliant, but it's a very specific kind of person who finds it easier to have a microchip to, <laughs> injected into them than to open a door. Well, but but <laughs> Kira, who also got injected on camera, actually at the top of that item, Rory, don't know his surname, uh, <laughs> did say right at the beginning, 
Yeah, uh, well, it all seems a bit weird, and I wouldn't be getting this done straight away at the top of the item, which is a shame because you sort of go, well, is he going to get it done yeah. or not? You could tease that all out of for the Jeopardy 30 seconds. Because you immediately think, right, are we going to see this done? Is it going to happen to Rory? Absolutely no way. Made that very clear. Because he's got his, he knows which pocket his keys are in. Well, unlike As Kira, long, who uh, did have it done yeah. and put one in hand, whose justification was that she always loses her keys. I think it's quite a drastic surgical solution to getting a bigger key ring. <laughs> Well, you know, it costs five thousand pounds to get your home converted. <laughs> I, th- I think, it's, which it, you know, I think if, yeah, man, if you if you're a quadriplegic, yeah, it's dynamite, absolutely. But it's one of those stories that they were implying that we'd all have it, and our Oyster card would be on our hand, yeah. and our and our bank card would be on our hand with contactless payments and things. Useful for drunks, yeah. Also dangerous for drunks. You keep slumping <laughs> against the reader on the bar, and it keeps putting your bar bill. Uh, we've done handbrake turn of the week, of course. But the one question we like to ask on podcasts like The Walking Dead, they often discuss the deaths of characters because that's important to those shows. Now, uh, so far, even though Alex Jones came close this week, no one has died during an episode of the One Show. But we still ask the question: If a One Show presenter or guest had to die, uh, who would it be, and how would you like to see them go? I'd like to see Rocky the dog. Yeah. Sniff a whole newt up. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the moment of drama, Keegan arrives. Very good. In the Keegan copter <laughs> yeah. and saves him she, using her medical training. She's becoming quite the angel for all of us, I think. I reckon that I've got a lot of faith. I think a little bit like in Superman, when Superman turns up, the whole planet changes because it has faith yeah. in someone. Keegan's done that for me. Uh, John? Well, I will not see anyone die because I have the greatest of respect for all on-screen talent that I have worked with or may work with in the future. (laughs) Um, But I was intrigued to see Back from the Dead, surprisingly, this was a sort of, was a Walking Dead moment, a story about the Gaumont in Bradford, which is a famous thing. And it says, it's going to be introduced by Andy Kershaw. What? Andy Kershaw's still around, he's with us. That was a very pleasant surprise. It was very exciting, that one. And then he, he interviewed a woman who couldn't remember meeting the Beatles, yeah. <laughs> which is one of the worst things. He said, so you met the Beatles? Yes. What did you say? I can't remember. <laughs> and then they cut away because this woman, who they'd got like these Beatles fans who'd seen the Beatles at the Gaumont before it was wrecked. They brought them all to see the place the first time. None of them had any memories at all. None of them said anything. They then cut to a guy called Paul Beriff, I think, who was a photographer taking yeah. some pictures of the Beatles that had been thought lost for ages at the Gaumont. Lovely interview with him. He's a BAFTA award-winning documentary maker. And I looked him up on my phone. Of course you did. did, And he uh, (laughs) had made documentaries about uh, Piper Alpha disaster and 9-11. And I thought, I wonder how he feels being on the one show. (laughs) 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 Very similar feeling. (laughs) Watching in horror and unable to intervene. (laughs) (laughs) Andy Kershaw did make the point that you've won all these BAFTAs. And how would you feel about, you know, being known for these Beatles photographs? Well, of course, in fact, as you're right, it's it's being on the one show. Yeah, that's the big achievement in your life. I think for Andy, it must be odd for... I mean, they do like to occasionally reinvent, go and find people you haven't seen for ages. Now, Andy Kershaw, for those who are, you know, possibly under the age of 30, was, you know, the hip young gunslinger of TV presenters in the 80s, one of the principal presenters of Live Aid. Yeah. He was great. He had a northern accent. He was a bit edgy. He was funny. Like a young John Peel a little bit, wasn't he? He 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 carved out a niche in world music, didn't he? He was really important. Where's he been? Well, Well, now, it's a dark story. Maybe we shouldn't go into it. No, no, no. We don't need to go into it. But there's that thing when you go, you know, Andy Kershaw's. Google it on your phone, John. I'll do it now and I'll react to the He has had a few problems over the years, you know, but he was thought, you know, he had something. I hope he comes back from the wilderness. And when they announced this film, Andy Kershaw's going to present it. They didn't let us see him for about a minute. There was loads of montage at the top and voiceover. Really, I was getting quite excited. I mean, he sounds good. He's going to be Andy Kershaw, who we know. And we saw him on screen. And he looked actually like he hadn't been on screen for about 20 years. Oh. Poor fella. He looked all right. Yeah. But, you know, he's aged like we all do. Well, we all. But, but, we, come when on. You, but when you haven't seen someone. Yeah, it is. Because yeah. in your screen, head, they, in are, my head, they look like he yeah, was yeah, yeah, 20 yeah. years younger. Yeah, you know, because it's um, like it's you get that. Um, this is a bit of an aside, but it, it ties in very well because Michael Caine was on the one show. They did a Michael Caine special. Handbrake turn. I'm, I'm admiring you. You're learning from the masters, I am. aren't you? But it works because I'll tell you why. Good to see it happening. Listen to this segue and how my brain went. And there's no one oh. even speaking in my ear to tell me to get to it. <laughs> but my, the Michael Caine episode was was that rare beast. It was a genuinely interesting episode of the one show, but it was a, to promote a documentary he's just done about. His life but he said they shot uh and it's a film that they shot with all people from the 60s it's called my generation it's all about the 60s and and everybody involved and he interviews on camera all of these people and then he said when they did a test screening 
no one was listening to what they had to say because they were all going, oh my God, hasn't he gone bald? Hasn't, <laughs> hasn't she got fat? He said, and, and it was so distracting that they did a complete re-edit of the film and now it's all in voiceover with archive material oh, right. because you don't seeing the people, the people on screen was weird. See how that ties in? So that's is that brilliant. brilliant. Well, maybe that's nice why they, Andy that. Kershaw wasn't in the documentary there very much. Yeah. So it, that, actually and, and Michael Caine just said, just, just said, you know, we just decided to just get well, rid of it all because people were just distracted by what people look like now because I everyone it, gets old. Well, I wonder, also, it's, it's basically that's I talk about how the internet's done. That's the stand, one of the standard internet memes, isn't it? Uh, the sidebar always says, "You won't believe what the cast yeah. of yeah, The Lost yeah, yeah. Boys look like now." We are fascinated in before. I and can't after. believe what I look like now. No, it's no, shocking. Every morning, every morning. I wonder who was presenting the uh, dog and duckling story. Yeah. Yeah. It was good before <laughs> it was <laughs> me <laughs> cut, <laughs> and they didn't want to distract from the. No, it was Davros, and Davros does not look good now. Or maybe they'd seen Michael Caine on the one show, heard that story. Story. And just thought, I thought whoever you know, Harry well, Seacombe was presenting to dogs keep and ducklings. The, the, the Michael Caine thing, right? This was such a weird thing to do because they trailed it. The David Michael Caine special, it was, you know, in the press, Michael Caine's going to be the guest on the one show, all this kind of stuff. And at the top of the show, at the top of the episode, this is last week, they had a, a bigger audience in the studio than they normally do. And they, they sort of said to the first person, they said, well, we've got a special guest on the one show tonight. And without giving it away... What do you think of this person? They're giving it away. We all know. <laughs> this person just went, oh, it, he, he simply walks on water. And now to the uninitiated, you might be thinking, they've got Jesus. <laughs> they've got they, Jesus. They managed to get Andy Kershaw back. They can they get got anyone Jimmy, yeah. back. Look at Jesus now. He's gone bald. How do, they, how do we know? Get Michelle Keegan to heal the sick. <laughs> Apparently that halo just burns through hair. Uh, and then, then someone else said, oh, what do you think of tonight's guest? Oh, national treasure. It could still be Jesus. <laughs> could still be Jesus. But but nation. And then the next one went, well, this actor changed film for me. And you go, oh, okay. Uh, then oh, he said, it's Michael Caine. Yes, we know it's Michael Caine because we know, we know it's on the... The, the continuity announcer said, here's the one show with Michael Caine a moment ago. We know. It's just like... They're but, no good at keeping a secret. <laughs> but Michael Caine made them more nervous than I've ever seen live TV presenters look. Because, you know... Did he have a gun? <laughs> <laughs> no, he was armed with anecdotes Ooh, from, yeah. from a different time, Joel. Oh. And as we know now... Oh. <laughs> This is a dangerous area for television. Hashtag all the things that are now hashtags. So they said, how did you become an actor? And it's a story I knew. So I knew there was an edge to this story that they didn't necessarily, in the current climate, want to be discussing at that time of did, yeah, yeah, did he didn't. black up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it like Tootsie but unacceptable, yeah. unacceptable. Yeah. He, was, he was abusing great crested newt <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, he said well I, um, I, I was in the basketball team then every day on the way to basketball I'd look through the window of the drama club where there were all these pretty girls Right, and you could see, oh. you could slightly oh. see this fear come oh. over the eyes of the presenters, going, "What's he yeah, going to say no. about the girls?" Um, and what he did say, he said, um, "I just wanted to kiss all the pretty girls," and they just started to panic. I was, I was in a youth club, and I was about fourteen, and I used to be in the basketball team, and I was going upstairs in the youth club one day, and I, there was a the door with a glass in it. And I looked through, and it was the, it was the Amateur Dramatic Society. Mm -hmm. right. And it was all pretty girls. Right. <laughs> and I thought, what am I doing going upstairs? <laughs> and, and, and one day I was looking f through the window, and it went, and I fell in the door. <laughs> and the woman who was running it said, come in, because she thought I'd come in to be in the Dramatic Society. And I, uh -huh. said, and I said, OK, I'll come in. I thought, I'll get to kiss a girl. Because I, <laughs> you know, I, I was trying to kiss a girl at the time. Uh, uh, and uh, that's how I became an actor. And it was good timing. Trying to kiss a girl. It yeah. was good timing I've because... I've quite a few since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, Jane Fonda, It was all about him, I guess. Well, as we know, at the heart of your documentary, it's all about this revolution that's going on, this youth revolution. Oh, so yeah. Here's a taster of, of what you're in store for in the documentary. Ordinarily, that's fine, isn't it? I suppose. Don't bring your libido on this sofa. But, but he's like... This is the this sexless is like, no, one show. This, is, this, is, this was in the 60s. You don't want to kiss the pretty girls and no, say no. it out loud anymore because there's going to be trouble, Michael. But he just ploughed on regardless yeah. and it was fine because he's a national treasure like Jesus. Um, but you could hear sphincters tightening. I mean, <laughs> it was a gorgeous moment. It's interesting what they're scared of, which is part of the joy of live TV. Yeah. You don't know where it's going to go, particularly with Cindy Lauper, as you're saying, because yeah. she was out there and she was going on about... I can't slightly tune out. She's great to talk to. She's an amazing New York accent. She was coming 
coming off the back of the uh, Rory getting chips or not getting yeah, chips story about you know yeah. following you around and they're going oh isn't it a bit scary and she goes oh well of course our iPhones are listening to us they're tracking us everywhere we go and then she rambled on about this for two or three lines and then she went oh yeah of course we have to learn Russian now <laughs> it was and, brilliant and this absolutely put the willies immediately the I, speed with which it happened I couldn't work out what they were frightened I about because I thought are they worried they're being listened to by Russian surveillance bots? <laughs> are they being employed by Russia? Are, are they worried their Russian paymasters would be upset that they've blown the gaff? It was a really weird panic. As long as they're good about not tracking you everywhere you go yeah, and getting they your information. No, they, no, they never do that. It's that's reading what our, it is, yeah. so I'm not doing it. They're reading it, our ever. thoughts, too. That's the way No, the they're not. Oh, they're just they checking are. our iPhones I don't know. and seeing exactly where we are at every minute yeah, and true. our emails. Yeah. So now, and we have to learn Russian now because, you know. <laughs> Let's not go there, Cindy. Let's not go there. We haven't got quite time for that. So you're both here to talk about musicals and Broadway. What's she done? she'd done the classic one show sin of going off the bland into the current affairs yeah and you don't know they're, they're, all they're worried is that someone might take a side or have an opinion she was just making it like sense to be fair yeah she, really, was, but... she was she was saying a crazy thing about like surveillance culture or something yeah. but she said it quite clumsily in her way and they went oh shit our Russian overlords are going to pull the plug <laughs> if the plug had gone on the show at that point it would have been dynamite <laughs> what was it happened so quickly that there wasn't time for the studio producer or director to go oh can you just uh, jump on that comment yeah oh, 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 can you, uh, could you qualify that uh, they were it was it was like Usain Bolt going off you yeah. know when the gun goes <laughs> they were both simultaneously it's so nice when the, when the show runs away. away with them isn't it like yeah. uh, and they have to try and claw but, it back uh, but, well, yeah so there must be like an instinct. Skilled professionals. Yeah, they're, well, they've learned so much if anybody says anything interesting. It's like watching sheepdogs. I'm watching a trained sheepdog round up sheep that have got opinions <laughs> and get them back in the pen. The well, bland it, it, pen. It, it almost happened again when, you know, they, they, they'd skirted, if you'll pardon the expression, given what I'm about to tell you, the Michael Caine um, kiss all the girls because they're pretty bomb. Um, and then they had a feature about fashion in the 60s. And of course, there was the miniskirt. Uh, and, and they showed a couple of clips of that. And then you could see Michael Caine just about to tell an anecdote about a miniskirt oh. and, and they just went and we'll just move on danger danger here we'll move on and they just got around that the Alfie alarm went off yeah they did right. yeah. Like different yeah. time different time don't tell the anecdotes Michael for a one show presenter it'd be like Alex in a clockwork orange where they kind of show them people having opinions that can't be on the one show to be wrangled of- uh, the best impression now, everyone thinks they can do a Michael Caine impression, okay? That's a, that's a standard trope. Uh, although, weirdly, I can't do one. So it's it's like everyone thinks they can, I can't. I don't know whether you can. Um, everyone can. It requires a couple more points, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, fair enough. But it turns out, here's the thing I've learned from the Mon Show, Robert Powell, who by no coincidence was, of course, Jesus, yeah. they had him on talking about working with Michael Caine. And he just did the best Michael Caine <laughs> I've ever heard. Better than Phil Corner? Better than because wow. he was on no. as well. Oh no! To, yeah, no shit. So Phil was on as well talking about Michael Caine, and Robert Powell's Michael Caine was the best Michael Caine impression I've ever heard. Here it is. When he tried to be Maurice Micklewhite and couldn't, because believe it or not, there was another Maurice Micklewhite in Equity. His agent said, "Go away, come up with a name, but I need it by six o'clock." And he said, "I was sitting there, I looked out the window, and I saw Caine mutiny. I thought." That's a good name. I'm going to call myself Michael Caine. If I'd looked out the other window, I would have called myself Michael 101 Dalmatians. See? That's Amazing. the best that's impression. Incredible. Do you know what Robert Powell is obsessed by? The darts. I've worked with Robert Powell and he wouldn't stop going about the darts. He loves his darts. Really? Yeah. Um, the, yeah, he's Jesus, Holy Arrows. It's brilliant. He's, he's fantastic. <laughs> he said he worked once. He did. A, he told me once he did a, a, a film out in the jungle in Brazil or something like that. Yeah. And loads of kids in the village were just following him around completely in awe. And he only realised why when he went into their church and there was a big picture of him sellotaped to Buffy <laughs> altar. <laughs> they thought it was Jesus oh. and actually come back. <laughs> they just got a picture off the internet of Jesus and it was him. He said it was really freaky. He said, like a whole church dedicated to me. Aww. He was very charming. I thought we should yeah. Google images of Jesus and click on image. It turns out. Yeah. 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 I have no idea. I have no idea. All right, look, we're nearly coming to an end. There's a kind of, I suppose, another final question really we've talked about a little bit about what happens on the forecourt and, and what happens out there but is there anything you'd like to see that they haven't done yet just a uh, we've got a fantasy forecourt uh, Matt Baker or Alex Jones or anyone doing <laughs> okay. on the forecourt outside 
I'd like to see a battle royale, a bit like in uh, Thor Ragnarok, a huge <laughs> uh, gladiatorial combat, but between a great crested newt and a high-speed train. <laughs> if only they'd done that. Here, and look, outside the forecourt, we've got... Uh, Got a high-speed train. <laughs> Roaring the, through. The high-speed train should come in like Hulk does. Like you think, you think the, the newt's got a chance. He's got a little sword, and they go, and you're going to be against. And it's like the Hulk, and just comes and squashes it. I think that'd be good. Yeah, but, like yeah, proper demonstration of what they were talking about. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Or more practical demonstrations. John, anything? I'd like to see the, the, the side presenters, the Rorys, the Garys, the Susans, the ones who we don't. He's googling you know, them again. Yeah. The family. The, fa- the family yeah. who we, you know, we might not know so much. So, you know, say Rory, the technical correspondent, wasn't on for a while, and they might say, "Oh no, you might realise we haven't seen Rory, who does our tech stories for a bit. He's fully embraced the bionic future, and they unveil Mecha Rory. Rory two point Rory two and this giant twenty five seconds to comply. <laughs> this giant metal Rory that will now it. do the tech items. Well, they could they could use it to threaten guests who have opinions. <laughs> they could just be in the corner. Lots of servo motor noises. What's if you go off, you have twenty stop. seconds to drop your opinion. <laughs> Staring through the window behind. You have fifteen <laughs> seconds to drop your opinion, and then blasting them out of the window onto the forecourt where they smash into death. <laughs> And then they'd have Great. to do a link off the back of that. Well, that's enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Enough of that. Let's, let's, let's have some music. There's <laughs> yeah, no, a corpse of <laughs> their guests, like shattered, <laughs> steaming. <laughs> now to play us out, here's Snow Patrol. <laughs> Thanks, Rory. <laughs> oh, well, thank look, gentlemen, thank you for coming. And um, this, it's always a... Ch- I, I mean, people say, you know, there's a very cliche about it being a pleasure, uh, not a chore. But watching the one show is a chore, isn't it? Let's it's be honest. It's absolutely a chore. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we do it so, you know... We hate ourselves, so we do it, and, and you don't have to. Uh, John Riley, thank you. John Morris, thank you very much. Uh, and thank remember you. this. When you look at the television to look at the one show, the one show looks back into you. <laughs> Goodbye. Hi, I'm Julia Rayside, and I'd like to invite you aboard my podcast. Always There is the only podcast to navigate through every single episode in order of the 1980s seafaring soap opera, Howard's Way. I mean, if we're talking lacquer, we need to go back to Polly, who's got 28 cans of Elnet. It was definitely um, yeah. feeling horrible that you hadn't done your homework. Yeah. Obviously, Lynn is immediately in a bikini. It's, it's a freezing day in, I'm guessing, I was February. I that swing pool looks f***ing freezing. You don't have to love Howard's Way or even remember it. We're going to talk about it anyway, because I think it's brilliant. Jack still feels very much at sea. I can't help reaching for these puns. I'm so yeah, sorry. No, it's important. He doesn't really acknowledge how grave... What an ocean of trouble Thank you. It is. This is why we got you on your there bloody you see. That's all I've got. I'm leaving now. Available from your usual podcast supplier. Find us on Twitter at AlwaysTherePod. Somebody's nicked my bloody boat. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.